Welcome to From the BLN, the Burnley podcast. This is the post-Aston Villa uh, episode. Um, the Claret's going down 3-1 to Aston Villa at Turf Moor on Sunday. Um, slightly depleted lineup tonight. Simon, our glorious leader, um, isn't so well. Um, we wish him all the best. He's got the dreaded Rona over in Miami. I think there's probably worse places to be with COVID than, than Miami. Um, he's probably got him out of doing the cricket again, hasn't he? So there we go. Uh, but I'm joined as ever by Woody, by Justin and by Chris. Um, let's get straight into the Villa game then. Um, another defeat, uh, probably a game of two halves and probably a second half of two halves. Woody, what, what, what were your kind of um, views on how that played out because uh, we were quite slow to get go, conceded inside 10 minutes again, but they were flashes, weren't they? They were. Slightly more flashes, I think, than against City, but I think like we've all said, the first half was bizarrely, bizarrely flat. Then second half, yes, came out, gave an account of ourselves for 10 minutes, scored, they scored, and it all went flat again. And, um, yeah, on the tele, on, on the TV over here, even though it's nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, it was a, a big, difficult game to kind of get behind. Because as we've seen in a lot of other Premier uh, League games over the years, you know you're on a hand to nothing. And you knew pretty, pretty soon that we weren't really in that game. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it from the, from the state side. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Justin, it's, I mean, Villa are a good side, aren't they? I fully expect Villa will be top six. I think we, you know, mm. we were talking on last week's Friday podcast, Friday's episode, about them, you know, people probably being a little bit more worried about Villa than they were against City because of the expectation that we might get something against Villa. Mm. They look a good side, but we didn't, we, we kind of gave them a bit of help, didn't we? I mean, conceding again so early on. Yeah, well, you can't. I mean, you can't do that in the Premier League, can you? You can't. You can't give people a gold start before you even get going. From my perspective, I just thought I was a bit baffled by a few things. A few, I, I, I think it's really. We've got this really risky formation going on when we're playing, you know, four up front when we when we haven't got the ball, and five up front when we when we have. Um, it just seems. It seems like if if you turn, if you get turned over, you know when you're when you're on the front foot in the in the final third, you've already got five players the wrong side of the ball, and then and, and our sort of defensive shield in front of the what was then a back three, was Cullen and Roberts. Well, you know they're not the most the quickest. They're not the most. They're not they're not the they're not going to be able to respond to counter-attacks as well as you might expect. And that's what happened for the first goal. And it was just a simple clip over the top to a to a, a rapid forward. I think Trafford hesitated a little bit. He didn't quite know what to do, did he? he, he you just can't do that. And you might get away with that in the, in the championship, but in the, in the, you know, the, the, the Premier League, you're just going to get punished. And obviously it was a goal. I thought 
you know, in in the second half, we, they, they obviously got a bit of a bollocking at half time, didn't they? Because they came out, played. I mean, he he made that little switch of um, putting Delcroix in the middle and moving Roberts over to the left, and Roberts was still the the fullback who was stepping into midfield when we got the ball, but. It, they just they played sort of the same way, but they just seemed to have a bit more intent about it. They seemed to just believe in it a little bit more. When we got that goal, I was thinking, right, you know, this is it's now seems to be clicking in a way. But we're just so vulnerable with that risky sort of like, you know, committing so many men forward that, you know, that it, it, it we seem to make it easy for them, and that, then obviously they can just sit back, slow the game down. Uh, wait for their opportunity to nick the ball back again and you know it's up the other end and in the back of the net and everything's flat in the ground again it was just I don't know it was a strange game to me there's just so many so many questions about how they set up and who they pick that don't seem to have an obvious answer I don't think yeah and Chris I mean Justin we'll, we'll touch on a couple of things Justin mentioned there and I agree I think there is a bit of a I mean, it's a very, very risky strategy, very risky kind of setup. But I just wanted to touch on that James Trafford comment that Justin mentioned there. I mean, again, it might be me being uber critical, but I think there's almost two issues with Trafford for that first goal. I think his starting position is a little bit too passive. I don't think he's he's committed one way or another. And then when Ollie Watkins runs the ball in front of him, he, Ollie Watkins takes a really heavy touch there's a hesitancy for Trafford to come out and, and smother. Now, I'm not saying Murich, you know, this is not going to turn into a Murich versus Trafford debate, but, you know, they're the kind of fine margins when it comes to kind of goalkeeping and, you know, starting position and ability to react quickly. And, you know, uh, Mike Phelan told us on this podcast that the, the difference between the, the Premier League top players is is that ability to make decisions and consistently make them decisions. What did you make of that first goal, Chris? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're looking at it. It's, it's a terrific ball from uh, from McGinn. It's we all talk about the recovery speed of Aldekiel, and it's so hard to match. You know, what Watkins on his bike, and he knows what's coming, and you know Aldekiel's slow to read it. You know, he's, he's got pace, but what you know Watkins, uh, you know, he's turned on his uh, his turbo there and, and and burnt him up, burnt him off as such, but. Uh, Let's say once then, you know, it, it, it's a it's a horrible touch, really heavy touch, and you're expecting Trafford to come out and claim that and uh, and smother the danger, and uh, yeah, it does. Well, it, it neither makes a barrier of it, you know, to, to you know to make a save or 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 he's quick enough off the, off his line to come and smother, and and Delcroix's, you know, within the field for this ten minutes of his of his debut, he's, he's caught caught cold at the far post as well, but. To, that's, he's, he's made good saves in the first couple of games, Trafford. And, you know, I said the stop from Watkins in the second half. You know, I mean, Watkins probably should score, but, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's prevented it, uh, you know, being a heavy defeat there. But And on the face of it, I, I don't think his, distri- his distribution is decent. I don't think he's as good as Murich is at the moment. And we all know Murich had his moments last year. You know, you remember the Watford game? When he came out and, and made a pig's ear of things and made things difficult in that game and uh, ended up getting hauled off <laughs> at half time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, at the moment, it, it, Trafford's clearly you know, it's a big, big step. You know, he's gone from we all speak about he's not playing higher than League One. He's played you know very, very good standard of international football, the Euros with the under twenty ones, and done exceptionally well. But uh, 
it's it's difficult for him to bed in when it's going to be you know it's going to be like the, like the Alamo most weeks isn't it? against the, you know especially against the, the, the top tier sides. Yeah, definitely. And I think Woody as well. One of the things that I kind of noticed, and it, it's kind of what we did last season. Um, you've got, I mean, Benson last season and Zorori were were so tight to the line. Benson make them kind of runs, but not get the service in the first half. Then in the second half, we were hitting Benson and things like that. I saw that with Collie Osho. He was kind of he was he was looking in space. He had grass to run into, but we didn't quite ever activate that that ball over the top to him. Do you think that kind of, you know, again, without arcing back to last season, you know, the distribution of Harwood Bellis, obviously Bear missing, we know what a good um, what a good distributor he is. Do you think that we missed a bit of a trick by not getting that that kind of, um, you know, that that ball out quickly to wingers we have to run into? I mean, you can, you can say that, but also with the Benson thing, it was quite apparent in the first half that there were doubling up and even had cover on Benson, which a lot of the time last year, it, we were always kind of constantly saying, why the devil are people not doubling up on uh, on Benson? Whereas Aston Villa did it, John McGinn pulled back, you know, and he, he was always having to like turn and look for a ball behind him. Um, but yes, whether, I, I mean, with the game being slightly quicker, there isn't, I don't think, I would Bellis would necessarily have that same amount of time on the ball to be able to pick that pass and they could isolate him and it could, you know, all go slightly awry. But yeah, having been able to pick that pass, being able to do that slightly quickly, it all felt very, very slow in that in that first half. Yeah, we sped up a little bit in the first 15 in the second half, and yes, it looked better, especially uh Berger pushing a little bit further forward, which a lot of people have said that's his better position. Um, but yeah, just somebody to be able to take a look and ping that ball over because Aston Villa weren't coming at us like lunatics. They weren't all over us. They were picking the moments and, you know, they just beat us at a canter, really, at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, Kaliosho Col- looked industrious without, and I think it might have been you said it, uh, Greasy, that without much finesse. And yeah, he... It kind of created, kind of created the goal, etc. Mm. But um, yeah, you'd like somebody in the middle of the park or somewhere to be able to find and pick that ball from somewhere. Yeah, and just picking up on on you know, let's have a look then, Justin, at the kind of front four, if you will. We had um, you know, Foster scored his first Premier League goal. He's a one mm. in two Premier League, uh, one one in two striker now in the Premier League, which was good. Uh, Amdouni again, flashes from Amdouni. Perhaps a mm. bit ineffective, didn't really kind of get into it, came off at half-time, still not convinced he's fully fit. And Collie Osho, is there enough kind of to see that actually, that worry that we don't, we're not going to have enough goals or enough creativity of, of the high quality? Did you see enough in, in Sunday's performance to suggest that those worries were unfounded or are you still a little bit worried that we've got a collection of players who are well, all very interchangeable. I think, um, I think we said, bef- you know, of the, of the city game, it was quite difficult to gauge just how effective we were going to be in an attacking sense, because we didn't, we just didn't see enough of the ball in that game. There wasn't enough opportunities. We saw a lot more of the ball in this game. I think it, obviously their game plan was to sit back, let us have it. 
and and just see what we could do. And I I I, I actually came away from that game being more worried that we didn't have the the firepower to get through these teams. I think it's all about. When you when you've when you've got the ball as much as we had in that game, there was a lot of passing sideways. There was a lot of going back and 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 trying a different avenue. But when they sit deep, it's not it's more difficult to get behind them, isn't it? It's more difficult to clip that ball over and get the get the the the, the wingers into the game. You've just got to move the ball more quickly, and I think you know to move it side to side more quickly, so you pull them out of shape a little bit, and that's where you get your opportunities. That's where you get your, you you know the, the gaps that you can exploit. But we didn't. We just didn't do that in the first half. Like Woody said, it was all too slow. It was just ponderous, and they were just sat there thinking, "All right, this is all you've got." You know, we, we've got nothing to worry about. I think, I think, I don't think that we had a shot on target in the first half, did we? The, 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 the according to the stats, we had two shots on target. One of which will be the goal. The other yeah, will have just been the effort. I'm doing um, the effort just over the bar first off. I don't think we tested Olsen in that first 45, did we? No, there was Delcoir's uh, header that we, we, we that was a pretty smart save actually. And if that had gone in, that might have been, you know turned it in a different direction. But you know they could just sit there and pick us off. You know they they just had to wait until until they turned possession over at, at the right moment. They've got the pace to 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 do damage. That's the key to me, moving it more quickly, and that's what they did when they came out the second half. More intent, more sort of more snappy passing. You drag defenders around out of position, and there, and you know, and that's how you that's how you beat that game plan. But we just, I don't know. Is it is it the personnel or is it is it the the way that they play? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? Well, I suppose that'll unfold as the as the season goes on. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I. We'll we'll probably talk about it, it later, but it's probably it's unlikely this is going to be the squad we're going to end up with, you know, at the end of next week. So hopefully we can bring in some more quality and some of those kind of players that, unlike Kolyosha, who's got that raw pace, hasn't he? But there's not there's not really a lot much at the end of it. It it, it seems, or certainly not in the in the two games we've had. But I, and we have to remember that you know it's only two games, isn't it? It's not like it's not time to hit the panic button yet. But I, I, I think I said after the City game, with that sort of high press that that we do, where we harass the 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 back line, a lot of teams won't be able to cope with that. I, I'm not sure that's true. Having seen us do it against a team that uh, that obviously knows how to play against that kind of team, so uh, overall, I was a bit. I see. I was a bit more worried about our our ability to create chances after that than I was after the City game. Yeah, and Chris, just just kind of looking, touching on on that, you know, not testing Olsen. We know that Olsen, you know, he's not as good as Martinez, obviously. It was kind of a missed opportunity. I mean, I think we looked a lot better when Jay came on. I know Jay had a couple of chances that didn't, still didn't test him. At some point, we're going to have to find a way of testing some of these Premier League goalkeepers on a more consistent basis, aren't we? Absolutely. But you say, bear in mind, we've seen Zorori for... You know, a moment in the first game. We've seen Benson for 45 minutes. Uh, you know, we're yet to see, you know, anything extended from Redmond, who you know, I think is a, you know, a, a good talent at this level. You know, we've got an absolute plethora of wide players. There may even be more on the way. So, uh, you know, I think this, this, this capability, you know, I think talking about, I mentioned the Kolyosho thing against City. The amount of times where he's sort of, He's looking across the line, and there's that ability for him to spin in, and it it, it had been in behind uh, Lewis all day long with the right pass. But you know, it's just you know, do we, 
do we want to be more direct? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, just trusting the process and playing playing through the thirds as, as, as they like. You know, you say there's no one. You know, without Bayer, without Ekdal, you're not carrying it out from the back the same. You haven't got the you know our, our Bellis is uh, Steve Davis range of, range of passing, and uh, that's that's still difficult. Jay will be effective. He says, no, I'm not going to say he's going to score. He, he, no, I'm not going to say he'll, he'll score double figures, but it, you know he'll he'll have an impact at some stage. It, it it means a lot to him. I think you know he obviously you know he'd be desperate to sort of you know do well again at this level. And I I think you know with his his technical ability, his aerial ability, and his you know just sheer will and effort, I think he'll he'll you know he'll, he'll do well for Burnley. But uh, they are short. Uh, we're still missing. I think we've all looked at the first two lineups this season and thought, hmm, yeah, it just been a, both been head scratches. You know, we've got square pegs in round holes. They've moved away from, you know, a little from what they, what they were doing so well last season. You know, admittedly against elite opposition so far, but everything they did so well last year, and we've moved away from, you know, there's, there's no Murich in the starting 11. There's obviously no Barnes. You know, Brownhill's been cast aside, having been one of the you know one of the players of the season. You know, one of the players of the championship. Uh, you know, you've, we've we've not seen much of Zorori and Benson, as, we, as we've mentioned. Uh, Bayer, Arwood, Bellis. It, it, basically, the you know the team that won the championship. It's it's less you know probably less than half <laughs> left, and a hundred million later, they are the ninth highest net spending world football. Let's not hmm. forget. And mm. we probably don't look as good, you know, or, or as cohesive. I mean, that's it's, you know, it, it's say this time last year when there's no cohesion, you know, you know, it took it took a real while to uh, to get into this stride with so many players. But you do wonder have they brought in too many again? You know, I'm not going to question. You know, company knows what he's doing. He know, you know, shapes systems, personnel. He knows a damn sight more than I do. But uh, it's all a bit. I don't know, a bit, bit wishy-washy so far for me. Yeah, and and Woody, just, just touching on that, I mean, one of the things, one of the words that gets banded about on our WhatsApp group, you know, we've been too cute, you know, do we think we're we're trying to be too cute? We're bringing in all these players. Um, You know, I said to somebody in the pub after the game yesterday, I, I don't think positions are really a concept that company believes in very much at both ends of the field kind of your midfield is kind of you know you've got Cullen as your defensive midfielder but at, at the top end of the field I don't think he really believes in traditional positions it, it, are we in danger of becoming a little bit too cute and you know we've not got the same amount of time to just kind of ease his way into it like we had last season I think that's I think that's a fair point I mean if you think this time last year it took us what eight to 10 to 12 games to find our footing, which, you know, instead of those being draws, those will be losses and will be anchored at the foot of the Premiership due to that. But it's like going through that process last season of almost relearning football as Burnley fans. You know, we've never seen this before. To all of a sudden have that ripped asunder again and then we're trying to work out, we still haven't worked out numbers on backs of shirts yet, let alone what systems we're playing, et cetera. And to your point, yes, it's all very, it's all supposedly very fluid, et cetera. But, you know, even the most idiotic fan, myself included, have been crying out for a left back. 
it's been as blatant as you know. And the second and the second half uh, yesterday, that's what he had to do. He had to bring Roberts over to the to the left hand side, and that same that's a tacit admission from company that I'm assuming he's kind of got something wrong in relation to his system. Now, why the devil is he not seeing that from the get go when everybody else has managed to be able to see that? So it's like, yeah, I, I, we are we are playing to systems. We don't necessarily understand it as fans, I don't think, which is the frustrating piece. And taking last year's team and then seemingly kind of just throwing that aside, reworking everything again, just seems slightly confusing as a as a fan. But we've got no other choice but to see how it all transpires and you know works its way out, which we may not have the luxury of doing as we did last year. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's take a break there, and when we come back, we will discuss uh, the possible incomings and our kind of perfect shopping list, of which a left-back will definitely be on there. We'll be back after this. So we have got less than a week or less than a, a week, a working week, really. Um, window shuts 11pm on Friday. Um, I fully expect that there will be plenty of uh, both incomings and outgoings. We, we talked last week about outgoings and Bastion and people like that. Um, supposedly, um, I think somebody um, somebody posted a tweet to say that uh, uh, Matt, the, uh, the, uh, the chief executive or whatever Matt's role at uh, Burnley is, the guy who deals with all the transfers, was in the um, executive boxes yesterday doing a bit of a a uh, bit of a pre-match talk, and he, he was telling somebody that, uh, you know, we tried for Nathan Teller. Of course, Nathan Teller has now been freed. Thanks, Ashlyn. Um, I'm sure he'll be delighted <laughs> with his, uh, his new pad in Leverkusen, uh, signed for Bayer Leverkusen. Um, but he did say, that, look, you know, he just became too expensive to tell her. Um, Matson apparently Chelsea wanted him to sign a six-year deal. Um, before they send him out on loan, I did get told did get told earlier today that um, there is a likelihood that he will take that option. So he will take the option of a, a lengthy contract and then be shipped out on loan, of which I, I presume we would be first choice. And I think that's probably why we've not gone for a left back. Um, and, and Matt said, uh, you know, basically in this this talk in one of the exec lounges that you know we would expect three to four players coming in. Um, you know, I think it's well known that we're now back in the game for Mike Trezor um, from Genk. I think he was the player of the season in the Belgian top flight last year. Um, but Justin, leaving aside the left backs, I think we've we've probably covered the left back more times than than anything else on this podcast since we started it. Mm. What else do you think, having watched them first two games, where should the priority be? I mean, Trezor is another winger. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just to kind of, I'm, we could have guessed that. But, where where else do you think we need to kind of plug some gaps? I'm just I'm going to I'm sure we're all going to say the same thing that we've been saying all all summer, which is that we need a a a, a more mobile central midfielder to sit beside beside Colin to break up things. Um, somebody who can get forward as well, but somebody who's more defensively minded than what we've got there at the moment. And we we also need another another striker, don't we? But as we said last week, you know that that 20, that fifteen goal a season striker is the player that everybody else is looking for as well. I think um, 
I think what we're going to do is probably leave the the um, Premier League loans, the two Premier League loans, until a bit later because everybody everybody's sort of still sort of jockeying for position at the moment, trying to get into the right spot, aren't they? And play uh, Premier the the other Premier League teams are a bit reluctant to let certain players go until they know what, where the pieces are going to fall. So it might end up going to to the to the last day. But I think that that those two players are going to be key. Those two Premier League players have have got to be players who can who can uh, come in and do a job straight away. You, you know, you don't loan players from other Premier League clubs and not play them, do you? So, I mean, hopefully, maybe we can get... Maybe the, maybe the striker option there is is going to be a, 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 a young Premier League uh, player who's perhaps not going to get a look in at the club they're in, who's going to come and have something to prove. That's what you hope, isn't it? That they come here we're wanting to prove something to the um, to their parent club. But yeah, I, I, those are the two positions to me that we need. We need more strength, especially if we're going to play with this, um, this um, you know, risky business up front. We need somebody who's who's aware uh, what needs to happen the moment that that turnover takes place and can pull that off as well. So it's got to be somebody who's quick and strong. Um, so th- those are the two positions I think we need. Um, if if um, if Matson comes back as left back, I'll be I'll be I'll be happy with that. But if he doesn't, then it, again, it's going to have to be somebody else there, isn't it? Yeah, just in a world where um, perhaps Matson, we don't get Matson over the line, Chris. Um, again, you know, somebody said on Twitter today, Chef United looking for a left back. United, Man United looking for a left back. You know. Again, you know, Justin said strikers, 15 goal strikers are in, in short supply. Left back as well seems to be quite a problematic position for, for a few clubs. Now, somebody on one of the message boards, uh, I think it was on the Clarets, mentioned Matty Target at, at, at Newcastle. I know he's not played very much. I think he only played 18 games last season. Um, he's going to take a lot of skill in this kind of analytic system to identify somebody if we can't get Matson into it. Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned United. I mean, how many have they they tried over time? They just, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it has been problematic. I think Liverpool would say, like, Robertson's dipped and, uh, you know, it's. I think I think they'd strengthen there if, if, if needs be. And uh, there's a lot of clubs of, you know, City have played right backs at left back and it seems to be an issue sort of, you know, maybe Europe-wide, league-wide. But, uh, yeah, I think if, 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 if Matson's not, you know, if that falls through, and you know, what Chelsea with these six, seven, eight-year contracts, <laughs> absolute, well, baffling, is it? But now, if if Matson isn't the one that lands, then I honestly don't know where they turn. But uh, we we meant, you know, Bert, Bertrand wouldn't be. Yeah, you know, we we brought I brought his name up last week. You literally just clutching at straws because I don't think he's you know the profile. He's, he's too old. He's uh, you know. Does he get up and then you know the left flank as effectively as he used to? Probably not. But uh, I honestly don't know where you turn it. You know, Fabrizio Romano suggests that uh, you know Bakayoko still you know possibilities. You know, Brentford maybe keen keen for him, but again, it's another wide player. Yeah, you know, mm. I see. There's there's a there's a few really uh, you know agents seem to be desperate to move on. You know, the likes of Origi. <laughs> you know, he's quite clearly another one that doesn't fit. The only part of the company profile is he's Belgian, isn't he? But, uh, you know, I think he scored once for Milan in 12 months and not the answer. Oh, I was just going to 
I was just going to say this. This what what you were saying about the left back situation there. This is one of the questions that I that I had after the going back to the Villa game. The the left back Dalquar, he wasn't playing that sort of left back who steps into midfield like Matson does. He was playing as a left back who came in as a left sided central defender when when you know we had the ball. Now it, it, it's not my imagination to think that Charlie Taylor is sort of like. We 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 say he's sort of he can't play in the company system, but that seems to me like his perfect position, a left back who drops into the centre back. He wasn't even on the bench yesterday. I mean, I, I've looked, I've checked. They haven't said he's injured or anything, but I just wonder what's got what what the thinking is there. You you throw a guy in who's just kept, just come to the club. I mean, I know company knows him, but the you know the rest of the players don't know him. You throw him in, you know three days after signing and, you know, he gets skinned several times and, you know, we've got a player who can, who can literally can do that role. Who's, ta- who's tailor made for it. Um, and we're not using him. So I, I just, and, and he's also a player who's got massive Premier League experience, isn't he? Which, you know, we could have done with a bit of that yesterday, really. No Ekdal on the bench yesterday either. So we, we kind of set up without, without Ekdal on the bench on, on Sunday, sorry. And um, yeah, Chris, what do you make of the Taylor situation? I mean, it would seem to suggest that he's probably going to be one of the players who exits stage left at some point this week. I mean, there's still a suggestion that he might return to uh, to Leeds. You know, I think they'd uh, they'd be keen to to take him on, and uh, it. I, I, I can't argue with Justin. I say you've got a ready-made. You know, if if you don't want, to, you know, one of the, you know, if you want that side, that fullback on that side, just to be a, you know, a defensive fullback. You don't want him bombing up and down. You know, with every attack, you know, in the opponent's half and or, or dropping into you know that midfield uh, slot. Then why not pick a man who you know Sean Dyke's felt and he's, he's sincere. That he was not, you know, not a million miles from, you know, you know, maybe the England, you know, England camp looking at him, you know, three or four years ago. He's, a, you know, he's a solid. He's a good athlete, you know, just a solid seven, eight out of ten man, you know. And he, he, you pick a left-sided centre half, who by all, you know, by all accounts has potential to be a very good, you know, very dominant left-sided centre half, very proactive on the front foot, likes to. You know, be aggressive and you know, fine. But I, that just that just puzzled me. That and if, you know, if you're Charlie Taylor, you just well, you, you, you what is the point? You just you just saying right. Well, I'm persona non grata here. I'm you know I'm out the door and there's no way back from him, is it? Yeah. No. Woody does feel a little bit like the uh, the Matty Lawton situation last season, doesn't it? Where Lawton just didn't, you know, I think on the video when they were having their picture taken, um, mm-hmm. the squad pitch, I think he jokes, at least I'm on the bench because he's, you know, he stood on a bench for the, the picture. <laughs> but he does feel a bit like that. And with a lot of the old guard as well, doesn't he? I mean, Brownhill, not a single minute of football yet this season. You know, he seems to have fallen out of favour, as Chris said. PFA team of the year, I think last year, or mm-hmm. up for a place in that PFA team of the year. You know, superb, you know, really found his feet in the championship, scored some goals, which we're going to be looking at. Do you think that the kind of the old guard does have a role to play? I mean, arguably, I thought we looked better when Johan Berg Goodmanson yep. came on. He, he set the goal up with a header. Do you think there's a bit of kind of throwing the baby out with the, the, the bathwater? If I've got my, if I've got my kind of phrasing <laughs> yeah. right there, yeah, 
it's it seems it seems a weird one. Now, unless they're off somewhere, and yes, we've spoken about it before, you get the idea of if, if Brownell's going to go in the last year of his contract, you get 10 to 15, then yeah, shake his hand, thanks for coming. But to completely freeze him out almost seems an extremely odd thing to do. You know, and it's like with the with the fullback situation, it's not Arsenal have Tierney that they're freezing out. You've got, you know, Walker at City that's half being frozen out. It's like this kind of old older school way of playing seems to have been discounted by the various new coaches, and they don't have a role to play at all. And I I I genuinely don't know where he's going with the idea of, you know, Brownell. Taylor, etc. Just I, I'm as baffled as Chris is and everybody else is as to why they wouldn't feature in some which way, shape, or form. You know, as, a, as even just as a as a stopgap. So it just see, it just seems it just seems odd. Yeah, definitely interesting. The players who were missing from that match day squad yesterday: no Ekdal, no uh, Taylor, no Odebart. So we we've clearly got. You know, we were always going to have too many players to get in a match day squad, but Taylor does seem the the kind of uh, the slightly stranger. Um, the way he's been treated. But um, when we come back, uh, we will talk a little bit about Cage and a little bit about one of the most bizarre things I've seen on Turf Moor um, in recent times. So we'll be back after this. So, fresh from promises of a better match day experience during the summer, new caterers coming in. Um, I re- reread the press release this morning about them working with uh, local suppliers to come up with exciting new recipes for us all to enjoy. Um, shambolic, I think, is probably the best way to describe the <laughs> match day experience yesterday uh, on Sunday. Um, couldn't get a pie for love and money before the game. Got a Burnt pie um, at half time, queues longer than before, staff not trained to work till machines and new EPOS systems. Um, Justin, I mean, the, the one good thing about it is that we were we were kind of wedged in on the concourse and we were able to, to kind of say a very brief hello to each other before yes. yesterday's game. But not a great experience, is it? No, it was terrible. I mean, it's we're not we're not blessed in the upper tier of the north stand with the new um, interactive screen ordering points, um, so I can't comment on whether that works any better or not. But it's still, it's still, as far as I can tell, more or less the same offering that we had last season. It's long queues. Um, it's people who aren't blessed with um, particularly sophisticated social skills man in the tills um and when i went down for a pie at half time they weren't ready they were, they were still in the oven and i could i could see this sort of group of women in the background pulling the pies out of the oven and sticking a, one of these electronic thermometers in to make sure that they were 2000 degrees inside and when they weren't sort of panicking and throwing them back into the oven meanwhile the qbm is getting longer and longer and longer um i don't know I, it doesn't. It, it's, it's it's certainly not improved. I, you know, I could you could argue it's worse. Obviously, it's all rescued when you get your hands on one of those Donner sausage rolls, but they're a bit pricey as well, aren't they? So, um, so I don't know. I don't see anything. I don't. Th- I don't see anything um, 
particularly different about it, and it was all a bit sort of frustrating and underwhelming. I, I don't know the 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 guy from the um, the guy who runs the what's he called the fan experience boss. He wants to try and go go in the you know that that Jerry Dawson bar and, and get himself a, a pie at half time and see what the experience is really like because it's not all that impressive from where I was standing. No, and it probably is the the experience is probably all right in the director's lounge, isn't it? And the, the mm. chairman's lounge where you you get in your foie gras and all that lot. Not that I'm jealous, but there we go. But <laughs> but this is the thing, isn't it? It's the same stuff as last year, but about seventy pence dearer. There's no food meal deals on. I mean, you don't even know. I mean, the screens change above. You know, you've got it's like watching teletext when you were following a game on teletext or CFAX just to see what the price of the pie you want is because they're just rattling through all the different offerings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not great. Now, um, the other thing from yesterday's game that I was baffled by was the sight of young mascots walking out with the players in three D suits. <laughs> now. Yeah. This is all obviously following on from, um, you know, the club announcing Rocco. Um, you know, if they want to sponsor the, the, the podcast, then the kids look great. Um, you know, the new formal wear partner of Burnley Football Club. And at the minute, Rocco only make children's formal wear. Um, but Chris, is there, you know, we've seen a few bizarre sights on the turf over the years, especially around the kind of walkout and the pre-match. But kids in three-piece formal wear, accompanying players out onto the pitch. I mean, you're getting the piss taken out of you if you're one of them kids and you're going back into school after the summer holidays, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know what the deal is, but I would imagine if you're... Uh, do the uh, do the mascots get to keep, like, strip and stuff like that these days? Yeah, I believe, from reading so on Facebook, they, they, they got a kit and they also got this formal wear, which they hey, get to well, keep. that's... Can't knock that, can you? I, now, they all look like, you know, the reluctant... Uh, Nephews and nieces at a wedding. You know, when you say, we're going to throw confetti over the bride, and you're like, I don't, you know, I'm a bit shy about that. It was, it was all uh, all a bit surreal, wasn't it, really? But hey, to be honest, it's, you know, it's, it's no worse. It's no issue, is it? If it's more money into the coffers, you know, you're promoting a, you know, the, the, you know, the brand, the brand they're getting the promotion that they pay for as well. I've, no, I've no truck with it, to be honest. It's it is what it is. It's the, it's the modern modern game, isn't it? It's a, it's a bit of a gimmick, but uh, yeah, for, for fair enough. It, it's not something that's, uh, that you know stop me sleeping at night. Put it that way. <laughs> Woody, the, the suits all looked a bit Swiss Tony from where I was sat. They're they're a bit kind of like slightly <laughs> shiny, slightly. You know, don't stand too close to the fire, kids, because you might end up going up. <laughs> You're our kind of dedicated follower of fashion on this podcast. What, what, did, you make of, uh, what did you make of it? I think one of those 2,000-degree pies, had they burst, would have been quite safe. On They, they looked extremely well padded. You know, and to be fair, they, they had been they had been brilliantly tailored. I will give them that. They looked very good on the TV. I couldn't work out what the fuck they were doing wearing them <laughs> you know, until you told me today. But I will say after that, immaculate, absolutely. But I, I think mm. they could withstand a, a, a few hundred degrees quietly away. Excellent. Excellent. And I guess, Justin, the only thing that could have made it better for you is if it was done in the style of the late 70s V-shirt. Oh! The suit with, with perhaps, you know, yellow lapels coming down into a V. That, that'd look if pretty only. smart, wouldn't it? 
If only, if only. I'll tell you one thing I did notice about that. The, the boys were wearing blue suits and the girls were wearing pink suits, I think, which is not very progressive, is it? You know? I don't wear a pink suit. Yeah. I'd wear a, I'd it's a bit I'd gender stereotyping. We don't like to do that these days, do we? That's, that's summer wedding with a pink suit, pair of loafers. Yeah. Yeah. They did look very high in the bouquet, though. <laughs> I would say that for them. It was all very Thatcher. All very Thatcher and Burnley. Incredible. Damn it. Damn it with faint praise there from uh, from Woody sat in Cleveland. Um, we were going to, before we go, we were going to just have a quick look at the Premier League table, but I think the only thing to say is Everton are bottom. Three defeats in three, six goals conceded, um, no no goals scored. Um, whether Sean's going to be there when, when we play them in a, in a few weeks' time um, remains to be seen. It doesn't look likely. Um, we are still in the bottom three on goal difference. Only two games played, of course, same as Luton. Um, but yeah, hopefully by the time we our next podcast comes out, I think we're going to try and get Sasha on just to give us a little kind of 10-minute update on, on Thursday night for Friday morning. And we perhaps might do an emergency podcast um, if anything massive happens um, you know, on late on Friday night. But uh, but yeah, let's leave it there for this week then. Thank you very much, chaps, Chris, Woody and Justin. We'll be back with the normal podcast on Friday. Don't forget, follow us on social media, Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Behold Podcast. And don't forget to like, share, uh, review, give us stars, give us whatever, give us some feedback as well. You know, you can use your captures on social media uh, or on up the clarets on the message board there. Um, until later in the week, see you later.